Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Brian, Eric again. And our special guest today is someone who I grew up watching. I'm sure Brian has, Eric has. We got one of the faces of Battle Rap, founder of King of the Dot, Organic himself. Organic, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming I'm on. Good, man. I appreciate y'all for having me on, man. How y'all doing? We're doing well. We're happy to have you here. Um, what we like to do is, you know, get some people on we grew up watching and hear their backstory. So before we get into how you decided to just kind of get into running King of the Dot and creating it, let's hear about your backstory on how you got into hip-hop first, how that all started. Uh, bro, I've been into hip-hop since I was a young kid, you know what I mean? I remember going as far back, like, you know, my first tapes I bought were like um, 12 Inches of Snow by Snow, you know, I got, um, wow. I remember Wu-Tang, I remember Wu-Tang 36 Chambers when it came out. My mom actually waited in line to buy it for me and got rejected when they seen how young I was because they wouldn't, you know. I was just enamored by, like, you know, I, I, bro, I, I was always into hip-hop as a kid, right? Like, I think my grade five school photo, I'm wearing a Method Man shirt and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just something I was always into as a young kid. I used to sit there with a, a cassette deck and loop instrumentals at the end of songs and try to add my own verses on to, like, protect your neck, you know, straight from a young age, right? Um, so that, that's kind of just how I got into it. It's always just been something I've, I've always been, you know, attracted to. It's always seemed to like suck me in pretty much. And, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to be involved with it. You know, freestyling was always something, a, a great way of like expressing your thoughts as a kid. You know, um, I was just always attracted to it, man. I was just always attracted to it. Now the Canada up there in Toronto, was there a big scene back when you were doing it? Like, I know Snow, by the way, I want to get back into Snow. That song's still amazing, by the way. Yeah. Even though I still he's know still what the, living off that, man. Yeah. He's still living off <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell he's saying. All I remember is Jim <laughs> Carrey doing the impression in In Living Color and it being yeah. phenomenal. But, um, yeah, was there a huge scene up there? Yeah, man. Um, Toronto's always had a really, uh, you know, fine culture for the hip-hop scene and everything like that. Like, it's hard to really explain to people what it was like coming up in a city that a lot of people thought was like almost non-existent, you know, coming up in Toronto, almost in the, in the American world, people didn't respect it for a long time. It wasn't until like the emergence of Drake and King of the Dot backing it, you know, the underground scene where people started like seeing it as like a real place almost, you know what I mean? Like it really seemed as in like from 2000, eight to 2020 like toronto has become like a pinnacle in the world where before we were almost like an overthought you know what i'm saying it was yeah. very hard to, so our hip-hop scene was very unique because it was ours we weren't trying to appeal to what was happening outside the world so like you know being big in toronto was like that was, was the goal you know what i'm saying like your goals and aspirations of being like a superstar worldwide were almost non-existent in your mind because nobody had done it from there yet you, know, you didn't think it was possible. So it's no different than like, um, you know, I felt that feeling when I went to Russia and a lot of the people out there, I felt like they feel now how we used to feel in Canada way back in the day when we were being overlooked and everything. But the hip hop scene there, it, it's really dope, man. There's a lot of good artists up there. Like I'm, I'm surrounded by good talent in Canada. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like once uh, there was like that kind of explosion in like 2009, there was just so many people that came out of just Canada in general, you know, yeah. and, and it just, it, it grew so much like to what it is now to where it's like it, Toronto's kind of looked at like as sort of a, a really big spot. You know, it's not just like, Oh, we got this one guy here and another guy over here. It's like, there's a lot of people that are all coming from there. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a big city, right? There's almost 8 million people there. So I think it was just once we had the breakthrough into the American market and people started recognizing that there's something up there, then it changed everything for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you got to thank, like, social media for that. That's really what helped change a lot. Once social media came to light, I think everyone just becomes more broad to what's going on in the world. You're being able to start physically seeing things. You see landscapes of cities and stuff like that, and it becomes just something you know, in your mind, a reality rather than, than, you know, what you thought it may be. So I think that helped a lot with Toronto. I think, too, the battle scene helped tremendously. Um, I didn't even know there, to be honest, I didn't even know there was that much of a hip-hop, like, um, uh, obsession up there until the 07 World Rap Championships when they had their own division. And I was just seeing guys like you, Bishop Brigante, um, I'm sure I'm missing a few of them, uh, who, who made it from your division. Oh, oh poor Rich uh, and Kid Twist. Poor Rich, you know, yeah. there's lots oh, of people, the Nameless Aspires, you know, Justice and Dialects. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shut up Bishop though, that's the homie. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I didn't know. So I think that had a lot to do with the exposure and it was great because you realize they're, you know, it's not necessarily the American market. And as far as I'm concerned, it's become the place to be. Like, I, I know there's the whole, and we'll get into this later, like, fake probably fake animosity between smack and that but to me it's like for a long time get to king of the dot get to that stage you know what i mean so you built a monster man you really did no, i appreciate that man i appreciate you no problem um so how did you start rapping though did were you the kid in high school who just like made music at, or just was it just freestyling I was always freestyling, bro. Like, I was way too impatient to ever write. So, like, I heard a beat and it was just like, I got too much to say right now. Like, you know what I mean? That was always kind of my feeling. So, and I, I thought that was like, I was really big Juice and Supernatural fan when I was young. I just thought, like, that freestyle battle, I'm like, and freestyling, like, I remember watching battles like the Tone Defs, the, the PHs, the Many Styles, and, and Esoterics, and all these people that used to battle and, like, you know, way way back and we used to only be able to get the audios on on napster and everything like that but i just thought that talent was so crazy being able to go up there competitive i've always been a competitive person so you know being able to in my eyes it was always like yo you get to walk in a room with 32 people that are trying to be the man and 31 of them go home losing and thinking about you you know what i mean like you're the one you go through and win so it was always so much more of like a, co- a competition thing once I really started getting into it, you know, like it was always about beating what I could do before. But I mean, I was always into it, man, like rapping and stuff like that. I I, I don't even really want to know, say, like, I don't even really know how I physically started, you know, probably looping cassettes and just trying to add my verses. But honestly, a lot to credit was like the internet, you know, Yahoo chat, a lot of things like that. Just because when I wasn't with my friends, I was so obsessive with it that even when I wasn't with them, like, fuck it, I'm gonna skip school and stay home and like rap with this. And you know, and that's like, that's how I met a lot of people from back in the day, like the Ilmax. I, I, I was in a rap group with Ilmax when we were like 15. And we had never even met, but we, were, we knew each other on the internet, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, really funny shit. But I think that was just it, man. It was just really my obsession when I was a young kid. I, I was really into it. I used to spend hours and hours just downloading instrumentals on Napsters and anything I could find. I remember just like looking up even the Big L and Jay-Z freestyle, trying to find out what instrumental that was. Because back then it was tough to find, right? You didn't yeah. have Google. You just couldn't type shit. Yeah. So 
I remember just hunting for that for years. And then when I found out it was milk bone, it was like the biggest gift ever. Like, man, I've been, you know, so that was just it. I was always into freestyling and rapping when I was a kid. It was my hobby. It was kind of just what I did, you know, um, and I really liked battling and, and being competitive with it. I was always just really aggressive as a, as a young kid. So I found that as a, like an outlet almost in a way. Right. Wow. So I was going to, so every successful person has that moment where they remember where they were, what was going on, and where and when they were, when they realized that this was about to explode. And yes. when did you when did you go from all right? I'm I think about I'm thinking about doing this type of thing to you realize like this this is a real thing now. So what was that experience? When did you actually realize that? Honestly, on our first indoor event, like um. Mm -hmm. We uh, <coughs> sorry, we uh, we threw events outdoors, our first ones, right? And it, it, we never really knew what to expect because honestly, when I started King of the Dot, I was trying to make it an on-beat freestyle competition, but I was so young, no venue would let me book the venue. No, and plus they wanted like four thousand dollar deposits and shit like that, and I'm like, you know, nineteen at the time, four thousand dollars. <laughs> so, you know the only option was like fuck it let's meet in the let's meet in the street everyone bring 10 bucks and i'll pay the filmer you know and that's really how it started so then it just like we went out the first time there was 30 people the second time 40 50 and then all of a sudden we were doing them in november in the middle of the winter and there was like 100 people that they're freezing their ass off to watch a battle yeah. so then i knew like hey we got to do if we're going to continue this momentum we got to get a venue and we went looking for one i got lucky that it was like one of my friends knew a guy whose dad owned a venue and they let us throw our first event in there. And I remember the doors opened at eight and there was, we sold out by seven fifty-five, And that's when I realized I'm like, yo, we, we this is crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we're, yeah. we're, throwing, we're throwing flyers up a week in advance and we're not promoting this like this. And we're getting people fighting, trying to get in here to be involved and stuff. And like, those were like back in the days where you, if you watch like, um, Hallahan vs. Caliente, yeah. um, some of like those battles, and like that's like that era. You know what I'm saying? Low Pesci vs. Feel Good, um, a lot of classic uh, King of the Dot moments in, in that venue and stuff like that. But that was like the real catalyst into knowing that we had something right. And then after that, it was just the, the continuous momentum. You know, being able to move into bigger clubs in Toronto, um, having Drake come out, Kevin Durant shouting you out to the random people mm -hmm. that like you know, sorry, not random, but like you know that the celebrities that are mm -hmm. starting to endorse you with their own time and own thoughts. Like, you know, it started to be like this is unreal. Like you know, just being from again, being from Toronto, a yeah. lot of people you didn't even think this was possible before, but now we're in a form of competition. It's no longer based on if you respect us or not it, it's you got to beat us now yeah. so you know what i mean and that's what a lot of it was right so like even when you see battle of the bay five me and lush one set that up you know what i mean like to get all the canadians to go out there because that was like the time it's like yo we got to go prove ourselves or else we're always just going to be the canadians so mm -hmm. like you got to go show people you can actually do this or you're going to always allow them to think that they're, they're better than you you know what yeah. I mean? And that was really it. We just wanted to prove that we were just as good or, you know, on the same level or anything like that. So, you know, shout out to Lush and everyone, but we really made that happen. And, and it did a lot of good for the Canadian scene. It provided a light at the end of the tunnel. And it seemed like it just like lit a fire across the whole country. At a, a moment in time, it was like every single kid in the country was trying to sign up for King of the Dot. It was unreal. We were touring, you know, multiple times a summer across the countries, throwing shows almost every single night, you know, just tryouts. It was unreal. Why, why did, why did, 
you going by? Sorry. How did you come up with the name King of the Dot? I was going to ask uh, that. Yeah, so that, honestly, if I knew it would be what it was today, I probably wouldn't have picked that name, right? So that was all about trying to have the on-beat competition and trying to have a name that would be like, what, what would make people want to be a part of this? Because every competition I won in Toronto, I just thought the names were horrible, like License the Ill or like, you know, nothing you want to go home and be like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the champion of this. But like being the, everyone called Toronto the dot back then, right? Yeah. T-Dot. So it was like basically being able to hold the throne of saying I'm king of the city, right? Oh, yeah. But then then when we started doing the uh, the – you know, the street battles, we tried changing it to put your money where your mouth is because that was the format. Like, the battle is you all bring your own money. You bet. Yeah. This guy brings 200. You bring 200. Put your money up. You know what I mean? And But King of the Dot just stuck. The acronym was so much easier to type. It so much easier to say. People liked it. And then, you know, put your money where your mouth is. It's just, you know, it kind of just became, like, the side name. Like, yeah, like a <laughs> second side to the names, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, you would, you would say, good. King of the Dot, put your money where your mouth is. Like, it yeah, was yeah. right after it. But why do yeah. they call it the dot? Why is Toronto the dot? Good question, man. Honestly, <laughs> a good question. Okay. Go there's ahead. a lot of th- there's a lot of theories on it. You know what I mean? What's a lot the of crazy? Think- what's the craziest theory? Like, what's I mean, the- people say because the C and Tower with the sky dome beside it, so from the skyline you can see the T and the O. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a lot of stuff like that, you know, and then just the acronym itself, just T dot, right? The Toronto yeah. with the dot, right? So, yeah. Why did you then? What made you? Was it planned to not battle anymore and just focus on creating the king of the dot? How yeah, did that? I know, man. If I if I knew I was never going to battle again, thanks, man. I probably would have never done the king of the dot, right? It was it was. Not to say, like, okay, that's a bad thing to say, right? Like, I wanted to do King of the Dot because I wanted to take, like, you know, the what I was doing and, and help other people kind of do it. And I felt like I really believed in the culture and the scene, right? And it, it's uh, – sorry, ask that question again. Um, I forget what I asked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we rewind on here? <laughs> no, um, would you – okay, you would, obviously- you, would you have started – like hosting the battles and building. No, no, no. Because you, you, yeah, yeah. you battled up and like I watched you yeah. in 07. You had a battle or two afterwards, but then you became like, all right, and now I'm setting everything up. I don't have time yeah. to battle. Like, I mean, to be honest with you, battling on beat was always more of my thing. You know, mm-hmm. like the yelling and trying to be like all like, because, you know, when it comes to this, you either got to be funny or you got to be passive aggressive and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I still enjoyed it, but I still felt like my strength was on beat. When I was battling a cappella, you were basically like taking me, you know, out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, which was cool and I could have evolved in it. But once King of the Dots started to grow, it's honestly the momentum. Like we were throwing events monthly, so I didn't even have time to be organic if I even wanted to. You know, I battled um, Diz and HFK, I think, you know, probably about a month away from each other. I wrote for them both at the same time. And those were the first two battles I did a cappella, And then just from that process of like stressing out so much about it and trying to throw world domination at the same time, trying to plan trips to LA for other rappers doing a, Cause back in the day, it wasn't like now, you know, we didn't get paid to go to California. I didn't get paid to go to battle disaster. I paid my own way. I paid kid twist way. We all fundraise. I, I used to throw beatbox events, DJ events, smaller battle tryout events just doing whatever we could to fundraise money to get me kid twist low pesci caliente and and all of us to los angeles or, or sorry to open the battle right so it, it was never really planned like that man it was just kind of naturally happened and then i just think um you know that the momentum just 
all of a sudden, you know, two months yeah. turns to six months, turns to a year, and all of a sudden it's like, damn, I ain't rapped in three years. It's crazy. No, when did you decide to go, like, I want to say the WWE route and have events like WrestleMania, King, or, you know, where you had, like, a Mass 1, Mass 2, and things like that? I mean, we always – King of the Dot started off always doing volumes, and then I think it just became – once I started doing the big international event, which was World Domination. World that's Domination it, yeah. was the first ever event, right? And that was me just trying to – I wanted to create – I felt like Toronto at that time was the most unbiased place in the world to battle. So mm -hmm. I wanted to create a neutral zone and almost make a, a domain like the Olympics for battle rap where everybody can come. And because Toronto is so multicultural, like literally you can be from anywhere in the world and there's a pocket of people there waiting to support you. So it was really cool being able to bring people from the Philippines, um, Sweden, and, and having their pockets of people come out and support them. And it was very unbiased. So that was really the start of it. And then Blackout was an idea I had for a long time, but I never was able to execute it on the first couple of years because we had to build the brand up to be able to do the secret. You know what I mean? Like if I tried to do blackout one and two, um, the secret, uh, show, like it wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? So we just kind of themed it as like a dark, icy, archaic, you know, vibe for the event, like blackout, everyone wear all black, let's block this fucking event out yada 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 let's just make a cool winter vibe yada 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 and then once it came to like the the fourth year it was like okay we're at a point in time where we got the momentum if we don't announce who's battling who we can still sell this event out mm. right where if i did that early on people wouldn't have came but like who's battling oh i don't know then like oh, fuck that so once we got to that point and everything that's really it you know and then the gullies versus organics the, the the massacres the the battle of the bays you know uh shout out the lush and them but you know, I think like um, battle events have always kind of just been themed by nature, you know, because a lot of this is, is, is replicated from, like you said, combat sports. Like I replicated the, the King of the Dot Grand Prix off the Pride FC Grand Prix back in the day. I used to be a huge mixed martial arts fan and the Japanese organization Pride FC used the whole Grand Prix tournament for mixed martial arts. And I was always thinking like that would be so dope for acapella battle rap. Like we got to do that where you battle here. If you win, you don't move on that night. You battle again in two months. You know what I mean? And then it, we created the Grand Prix. So a lot of shit just came from that, bro. You know? How unbiased do you have to remain, though? Because I want to know how you pick the judges when they used to be judged. Because let's say you're there and you know as the host somebody did win, but the judges don't go the route you're thinking. Now you have to deal with a pissed-off competitor. Is that, <laughs> all the time. Is that difficult? Like, bro, yeah, I feel like I'm the best judge in all the fucking <laughs> battle rap because every time there's a fucking robbery, I'm like, fuck, here we go. I fucking, like, once I announced it, I already know the, you know? And that's <laughs> not the, I, it's a tough job, bro. And it's really tough not to get caught in the moment when doing it. Um, but it, it's it's really about these days the only the battles that we judge are the championships and i let the battlers pick honestly i get the two battlers together i give them a list of names of potentials is there anyone on this list who you don't want is there anyone you feel like maybe biased is there anyone that's heard your bars those are usually the three questions i ask them i don't want to judge that's heard your bars i don't want anyone that your friends with are biased and i don't want you know anyone that has invested interest in you in judging this if the next title contenders judging the title match they're going to pick who they have the best bars for because that's the easiest route to the championship for them right mm. so i try to keep those things in consideration um all the time you know but you know it, it's tough because you pick battlers and and you know you want people with credibility I, I, I we used to pick just you know people that were around on the scene but when things go wrong that becomes hard to justify why you know 
Um, my homie, who's a good rapper, who everyone knows in Canada, but the battle scene doesn't know. So a lot of people would get mad at, at judges thinking like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? And it's like, well, y'all don't know him, but I know that guy's been, you know, in the battle world for a long time. So it really became down to, at the end, where, because now there's money on the line. Now it's such a big credibility issue. There's, there's so many people watching. I think the best route is allowing the artists to kind of come together and be like, yeah, here's a list of names you guys can pick from. We're cool with these. And then we go out and do that. So you essentially, you essentially utilize it like a lawyer, like um, lawyers picking the jury. Right. Yeah, like they, but they, I I don't let anybody know they're judging. I'll go around and ask people directly before the match because I don't want people knowing the whole day because then they wow. get preconceived notions of who's gonna win. They start thinking of certain scenarios of what can happen, what may not be able to happen. Oh, you know what? I don't like when this. You know, and then the, it's in their mind what they want to happen. So I don't yeah. think you get a fair judgment once you already know you are a judge and you can predetermine what may happen. Your mind starts to be biased without you even wanting it to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I, I try to ask everybody directly before the match. Like I, that's why there's always like a 10 minute stall before the title match, a longer stall than normal. And it's because I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to find people on this list of paper to judge this battle. It's fucking genius though. Yeah, yeah but it, it's, it's, it's kind of what we have to do, bro. Like people... You know, it's very critical. People are trusting us to be as unbiased as possible. And, you know, we want to be as unbiased as possible. So I think that was the best scenario for us at that moment. So you, you see now, like, uh, the UFC has no crowd because of COVID-19 and all that. Yeah. Would you say in battle rap, the crowd is a, is a gift and a curse, right? So if, being a judge, if you're like, this guy really killing it, but the other person has more of a crowd, and it seems like he's winning or she's winning. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, does that? Could you even see it in today in the COVID nineteen era where there's no crowd and they're just going? Like, is that weird? Yeah, I, I can, but it's a different type of style of rap, and and people need to understand that. That's why I find it very weird when people judge battles off video because you are, you know, that camera lens is only capturing, you know, one thirty you know what one sixteenth of the room you yeah. don't get the entire atmosphere someone like head ice you will let, until you're in a room watching him rap you will never understand the type of power he possesses with his aura you know what i'm saying yeah. and, yep. and that's a huge factor in battle rap being able to sell yourself better than your opponent is, is a big thing you know what i mean mm -hmm. but of course when it comes to camera you're never going to catch people's natural slickness and stuff like that that like you know you will in persons or or the aura or the the whole scenario yeah. there's maybe something happening on camera you don't see when the camera's on him you know so it, it's difficult man it, it, battling and it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's you know it's tough bro the whole the whole sc scope of it all man but you do your best at it right yeah yeah right do you have something oh yeah now i'm sure that you've loved you know all the events and everything like that but do you have like a personal favorite that you've seen been a part of where you're like wow th like this one really stood out this was bigger than everything um you know i'm probably biased with a couple events because there's just you know world domination two i think is probably like the best battle event that's ever happened right next to battle of the bay five i think battle of the bay five will forever you know be embedded up there with world domination two blackout five um you know there's some just ones that were you know 
And then there's certain things like events that, you know, in my mind, I'm not going to like the same as other people because I know there was a fucking financial disaster behind it and it caused misery in my life. So I'm like, you know, fuck that event. Right. But in other people, they think that was the best event ever. Right. So it's difficult sometimes to look at like, you know, what events in that scope, because again, I'm biased to certain things. I understand all the drama that went behind it. I understand all the work that went behind it. I understand all like the problems that followed it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people overlook is like, you know, throwing events, one thing, but there's a lot that goes on post event from getting the editing done, the battles, the interviews, and a lot of emotions get caught up in that. And it's a difficult job being a battle you know, being, you know, someone in my position, because you not only are running a league, but you got to cater to all the people who are trusting you and their emotions and, and looking out for the best, best of their brand too. Right. Because that's my job, you know, making sure that they all look the best, but, and trying to be as, as fair as possible. But sometimes you're just not given a fair playing field to play with. So it's difficult. So when the, when the event's over, how quickly do you run to the bar and get a drink? I don't drink, bro. Oh, no? So you don't, like, do I, anything to ease your I mind? Mean, like, just smoke a joint? Like, like, it's yeah, over. Smoke, thank I'll, God. I'm, done. I'm smoking. Bro. I'm smoking <laughs> thank 100%. God. You know, I'm a smoker, bro. But, you know, um, for the most part... Oh, shit. Sorry, your name's... All right, you're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah, no, my, my phone. Um, yeah, man, but I'm not a big drinker, but it's good. Once events over, I think that's, like, you know, it's it's a weird feeling not having a deadline anymore or having anything to do. It's always a very empty feeling. Waking up the next day after a battle event, I feel fucking, you know, like someone walking alone in a cornfield or something, bro. You just feel lost. It's like, what next? Until you set that next deadline and the next day and have the next things, it's like, you know, you feel like, wow, all that for yesterday. And now it's you just right back to square one again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, do you ever see yourself handing it off? Pardon? Like if you're if you're like 50, 60 years old, do you ever see yourself handing it off? And have you ever really thought about that? Is that a weird thing to think about? Uh, Eric, Eric's looking for a job. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, we're, we're actually it's weird. I looked you up because you know I'm a I'm trying to do my job, and uh, we're within two three weeks of the same age. I'm November first, eighty eight. You're November first, eighty eight. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like I'm what's got like. I have no money. We're drinking gin, watching you. And you're like, yeah, king of the die. Here we are. And I had no idea we're the same age. I'm like, this guy's, this guy's got a career going. <laughs> we're, sitting, and we're going to community college. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, sorry. Um, I, be, I mean, bro, you know, I always will do what's best for the company. And I will always do what's best for the artists and shit like that. You know, I'm not a greedy person. I've never been in this for the money. I've never been in this for the for the power. I've never, you know, I don't yeah. like throwing my face in the front of every video and, and, you know, trying to get all the limelight myself. So it's not even really about me at the end of the day, bro. So whatever really best suits the company, I think, you know, obviously I have emotional investments, emotional attachments, financial mm. investments, financial mm. attachments, stuff like that. So like, you know, but... I would never, ever, you know, sit back and just bury the company because, yeah, you know, right. for no, but I yeah. Meant more, I meant more of the emotional aspect of, of saying like, all right, man, like I'm done. Cause I know like older, like 50, 60 year old guys who started a business when they were 20 and they hand it off and it's just like a, like, you know, like a heavy, you know, feeling. It's weird, man, because I always told myself I, I need to walk away from battle rap when I still love it because I don't want to ever look back at it and think it ruined my life. You know what I mean? You don't want to get to a point in your life where you are 45, you don't have anything else going for you, and you're sitting there like, yo, I, I, I took a stab at this battle shit, and it really ruined my fucking life. But, yep. you know, I took a step back for a little bit and fucking 
you know, set myself up in, in, in different things and, and, uh, yeah, so you know, I'm I'm decent. You know, battle rap is always gonna be something I'm attached to. It's just honestly, it's like my first love, bro. You know, it's yeah. not something I grew to even love. It's something that like I I just love. I feel like I've loved it from the start. Like the second I I seen it, knew about it, anything, I was just fucking attracted to it, and 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 yeah, I just wouldn't leave it alone from that fucking day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I yeah. take like a, a large bit of pride in the fact that I've helped battle rap grow to be what it is. You yeah. know, when I started in battle rap we couldn't even get 30 people in a venue bro you know yeah. in toronto so like being able to sell out 1500 person venues you know and and shut down stuff like that like it, it's really a blessing you know and i'm just grateful for it to be honest i yeah. always feel like too one of the biggest mistakes this is me talking personally um i feel the biggest mistakes these big events make um whether it's the button event and uh the the cassidy event or whatever is they don't pick a host. Let's go back to the button event, for instance, with Hollow. I've yeah. said this while it was happening. I get you need the name like Sway in there. I understand that. But they don't pick you or Smack to host these events. I feel like yeah. that's a big issue. I think if you I, I think I tweeted at the time, I said if organic hosted this event, it would have happened. And that's not a knock on Sway. That's to that's a compliment on you. I think that yeah. you know how it's done. You've been around these people. And to throw someone like that into it who doesn't know how to maneuver what's going on with 50 to 100 to 1,000 people. And the, the, granted, Sway's good at what he does, but like he hasn't hosted a battle event since probably MTV in 02. You know what I mean? So like it's a whole different game. It's a whole different animal. And I think one of the biggest mistakes they make is not having you or Smack host these events. That's just Yeah, me. you know um – you know, shout out to Total Slider, man. I think that the show itself, like the actual show leading up to the, the event was incredible, you know. Um, but again, it's tough to buy a culture, you know. Um, you can't just jump in something that a lot of people are building and, and expect to be able to just take what they got, right? And I don't think that's what they were doing, but I feel like, I don't know if you guys remember, their, their, their um, social media account was being very cryptic with a lot of tweets and saying like, you know, the days of just throwing people on a stage are over and, and, you know, mm -hmm. taking shots at all the battle leagues and stuff yeah. like that to make it seem like our days were done and stuff like that. So that's really what it was. A lot of people just, they didn't even really have like the, the cultural support. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it doesn't even come with just hiring me or smack or anything like that. It's just being able to respect the boundaries of the places you're walking into. If you've never been somewhere before, you've never been to a country, you walk in there and you respect what's going on. You treat the people with respect or else, you know, you're probably going to end up in a bad position. And that's kind of the way I looked at that scenario. You know, you got to, they, you know, get them, get it twisted. They smartened up pretty quick, but I think it was um, just, you know, an inexperience. Uh, of not being around the culture too much to understand yeah. what to do at the actual event. Because again, bro, the show itself was incredible. Yeah. I remember watching that show and being nervous and being like, yo, this is like my ideas coming to life, but it's not me doing it. You know, yeah. this is not. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I was, I was excited for it at the same time, because again, you know, I, you just got to always know you're, you know, we're embedded in this stuff. So even if someone's able to do this better or make it bigger, like, we're not going anywhere. It just, you know, you're giving me, you know, you're helping us at that point. If you can right. help evolve battle rap, then welcome aboard. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, I cut you, sorry, Brian, I cut you off a few times. Sorry about that. Did you have right. right. No, I was going to ask, uh, I was going to say, let's switch hats a little bit. Let's say you come back and you do one battle, right? 
Yeah. And you gotta go against Carter Deems. <laughs> R.I.P. Bro, good luck. How do, how do I prepare? How do you prepare for that one? Oh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm gonna choke all three rounds, man. <laughs> We're talking, was that? Who was that? That's gonna, be, that's gonna be that bad dream where you know you just sign up for a battle and all of a sudden you show up to the event and you just got nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah was that the source we talking about? Like we saw him the other day. Uh, some of his raps, and he's like. Oh, when he was battling Ilmac, and he's like, I always want to give a no, what do you say? I always want to give a no five. five. Yeah, and the then you guys, tell my yeah, you, wonder, yo, you guys want to know something funny? That I was, I almost fainted in that fucking battle, bro. When Carter Deems was battling Ilmac, if you look at me, bro, I look, I even look sick as hell. So yeah. basically, like, I, I just, I don't know what happened, bro, but everything started going white. And I started, like, even mapping out in my head, like, yo, if you're going to faint, Walk two steps to the left, grab the barrier, and if you take two more steps, you should be able to sit down on a step. Like, yeah. I was mapping all this shit in my head while Carter <laughs> Dean were rapping. And I remember their rounds were only supposed to be, like, two minutes long. They each rap for, like, seven minutes. I'm fucking sweating bricks, fucking <laughs> trying to get out. Like, it was, you know, yeah. one of the worst experiences ever and one of the best battles ever, man. I mean, yeah. like, it's good to go back and watch and laugh that, at that. But, like, during that time, I was hating life, man. So that was the effect that he had on you. Yeah, like, that's why I'm like, saying, you know, I think Carter Deems is one of the most creative and, yeah. and honestly, I, I will always watch a Carter Deems battle. It's, yeah. it's yeah. one of those things that's very lighthearted. It's, it's always good comedic. It'll make you feel good. I, I think Carter Deems is a fucking gem. He's one of those guys we go down the wormhole. Like yeah, a YouTube yeah. wormhole. That's yeah. just one of them. And also, like, not for nothing, like, but if you want to show somebody who may like rap or mainstream rap and they you're trying to get them into uh, battle rap, right, if it's your girlfriend or somebody who doesn't really care, if you show them, like, two guys that are dead serious, you're like, I pick up the Mac and I buff his head. Like, that's not the best thing to introduce them. Yeah. But if you show them him, That'll just draw people in. Like I'll, like I'll start understanding it more. Like he really is, like, uh, you know, like the the footstep, the doorstep to yeah. a lot of people who wouldn't. And bro, a lot of I, I feel like the fact that battle rap now is, is catering so much to battle rap that we need more people like Carter Deems that cater to the people outside battle rap to bring people inside battle rap. Because right now to watch a battle, it's like you need to be a battle fan. I try showing people yep. I work with and yeah. stuff, and they're like, "Bro, what the fuck is going on?" And, you I, know, I, because I, they're like. They're referencing stuff. They're using lingo that only we understand. They're like, you know what I mean? So they'll get like a one-two line. But back in the day, like, and that's a perfect example is Conceited and Dumbfounded, I think, hit that fucking, like, to the T with their battle. Like, you know, it was very, um, not say dumbed down because, you know, that's a, that's a very bad word to use. But it was very broad in the fact that anybody could relate to it. Anyone can watch this and enjoy it. It's not like, oh, I don't get what he's saying there. I don't understand this. Is he, like, what's he referencing? It's just very Asian, small jokes, and very, very simplified, yet respectful, funny stuff. And it, and it, and it shows. You know, it's sitting at, yeah. like, 14 million views right now. So, and it's it's kind of a point, too, where I'm sure you know it as a host. It's so hard to keep up with a lot of the battlers. Now, there's so many. But it's gotten yeah. to the point where there's schemes now or just, like, Sometimes you have to watch it nine times to yeah. pick it up. It's the yeah. synonyms and the way they were. Th and it's yeah. just one whole round is nine different meanings. So, yeah, if I show my wife, like, wife a battle, she's just going to be like, yeah, all right, whatever. But yeah. if I do show her Carter Deems with the cat thing, she might laugh. And who the, hell, who the hell knows? Anyway, um, I want to move on to 
one of the reasons why I think King of the Dot is very successful. Um, I know you did a little bit of branching out, but if we go back to the grind time era, um, did you look at what they did wrong? Not the bash grind time. I was a big fan of them, honestly. I'm not going to sit there and bash them. But, like, when you look back at what they did with the Northwest Division, the East Division, the South Division, and they just had their hand in everything, did you look at that layout and say, I can't do this? I need to keep this one spot. Not at all. I think it was just really coming down to like basic organization, you know, not, not to take shots at obviously anyone, but like, you know, what we were doing with King of the Dot, we were very confident in it. We were very confident that we were throwing, you know, we just felt like we had our system down. You know what I mean? Like we knew the style of events we could throw in Toronto and we didn't try to throw the Toronto events in Vancouver, in Calgary and other places because we understood Toronto is the main hub. We're going to get the bigger crowds there. That's what we need to kind of focus on. So that's where I think we did different is instead of putting, trying to even it out to everybody, we, we chose one hub. And once that hub was really built, then it was like, okay, where can we expand to make the next big hub, which we, which we did with California, you know what I mean? And once grind time fold and stuff, but you know, we always had a Montreal division, a Calgary division, a Vancouver division. We had a lot of divisions, but we never held them. Not, not to say we didn't give them the same respect because we always released their battles and stuff, but we knew to not financially invest so much that we would lose in places that we couldn't make it back, right? Like right. Toronto was very, um, and, and it goes like a lot in the sense that like we, I had a lot of leverage in Toronto, you know, and so did the people I was working with at the time, being able to get the venues we were getting and stuff. I didn't have, we didn't have that leverage other places. I knew I could post a flyer and get 300 people in, in seven days out to an event if I did it in Toronto because... I've grown up there. I've gone to so many people's shows that when we're doing something, we know everybody in the scene. It's easy to get them out, yada, yada, yada. So that was really it, you know? And I think like just our, the way we did stuff, the way we treated people, we always just made sure that, you know, we, we did shit respectfully. We helped people. It was never malicious. It was never aggressive. You know, we just wanted to, to work, have fun and create a good environment. And I think that's why a lot of people enjoyed coming up to Toronto. When a lot of these battlers came to Toronto it was the first time they would get magazines with their faces in them that we would print. They'd walk in a venue and we'd have you know, a, a bunch of stuff around the venues with their faces on it. And they felt like, yo, this is, I feel like I'm like, this is like the Super Bowl of it. You know what I mean? And that's what we tried to create. We tried to make Toronto, like I said, the Olympics or the Super Bowl of battle rap, everyone. It was just like, you know, when you look at the big events, man, it's the, there's crane setups, there's big, you know, all different lighting setups and stuff. But eventually we just started realizing, you know, like, you know, um, it, it, it almost started to have like a negative effect on it in a way, right? With the style of battle rap we did, because, you know, so many people, it became such a social thing in Toronto where people were coming just to chill rather than watch the battles because it was the hot thing to do. All the cool people were going to be there. I've got to be in there. i got to be in there. And then fools are in there just to, to chill, you know, and try right. to be cool and shit like that. It's not even about battle rap no more. It was a social thing, right? So yeah, that's, that's the that's, problem too. The, like the more popular things get, yeah. You got the risk of that happening, and I'm sure you see that with a lot of battlers, too. Um, I mean, me and Brian rapped when we grew – I'm sure you grew up the same time. It was about, like, proving yourself, and you really had to love to do it to do it. And if yeah. you sucked, you sucked, and you went home like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. Now it's almost like people pick it up like, this is cool. I want to do it. And you see that the one specific battle – I don't know if you ever saw uh, Johnny Storm battled some guy – I forget his name. And the guy was real aggressive and just being a dickhead probably like half a year ago. 
And yeah, I, yeah. Bob Seb commented, and a bunch of people commented, this is what happens when, like, it's the cool thing to do. These people don't really want to be battle rappers. It's just what it is. So, shit, I could get my name out like this, and it's just the saturation of it. Um, do you see that a lot? And when you hear someone in your mind, are you just like, I can't have this guy on? Or, or how do how's the process work where you allow them on? You know, is there an audition? Like, the Proving Grounds with a Smack. Sorry, I'm rambling on here. I just... No, we have, we have a couple steps to go through. You know, my boy Rigo, he used to, he does all like the prove yourselves, which is like the beginning step. You know what I mean? People want to come over, then he'll just set them up a battle. They come up, it's against a random person. We get to see their talent level, you know, kind of see what kind of human they are. I feel like, you know, if you want us to make the commitment in you, you got to start showing the commitment in yourself first, you know, like, and that's not saying like, you know, I, I get everybody's entitled, but that's just the rule of life, really, you know, like. For even me to get where I was, I paid my way. Fuck, you know, my my first time being paid to go anywhere was even probably a couple years ago. You know, I I paid my way almost everywhere because I just knew that was what had to be done if I wanted to do it. Like investing in yourself is the first step of like knowing this is for you. If you're not willing to take that risk, you're already fucked in the first place, right? Like you need to be able to believe in yourself that much. So that's that's amazing advice, man. Because like. We, we looked at people who even we grew up with or even us to an extent when we would rap like we got a bit lazy and you always felt like things would happen without trying you know but you, yeah. you the story of fucking going out there and you know paying for yourself even when we had dj Hop last week he was talking about sleeping on floors in a hotel yeah, room. Dude, man, you know what you know what's crazy my group of friends out of like the you know i had like a group of eight of us that used to rap Mm -hmm. I probably had three friends that were way better than me, man. And honestly, if they fucking took it serious, like the whole world would be like, what the fuck? Yep. You know, because they were so naturally gifted and stylistic and, and stuff like that. But they never did. They were never willing to just go out and do the shit that I was willing to do. I was willing to hop on a bus with six bucks to my name and, and ride that thing for 18 hours until I ended up in fucking Cincinnati or some bullshit to, to battle. And, and yeah. you know, that it was so different back then because I would do all that. And you would show up and then all of a sudden the DJ would play like fucking bone crusher for your beat. And you're like, yo, like, I just took a fucking bus here to freestyle over this shit. Like I'm out first round. I'm going home. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of what was the excitement of it, bro. Like I remember hopping on buses with my friends when we were like 17 and going to cities where we knew nobody. And then we'd go to the event, we'd find people, we'd go party at their place and hop back on the bus. 16 hours home the next day and, and, and you know, be stranded once we got back to Toronto because we wouldn't have a dollar to our name. We'd have to, like, hike, like hitchhike yeah. almost back to our... And, and all, the, all the success stories, man, all the success stories have those stories involved. Like, yeah. you will find these... As much as I don't fuck with a lot of these newer rappers and shit, I'll never knock the hustle because I know they were up till 5 in the morning mixing songs. They weren't sleeping yeah. till 1 p.m. They were working in and, the studio. You know what I mean? So, God bless them. God bless you know what, what? What's crazy is that it never was anything like anything for me to do it i did that shit without even thinking twice you know like it was never an inconvenience it was never nothing i enjoyed every fucking step of it and i think that's yeah. people overlook that step because they think it's difficult and they don't understand that'll bring you some of the best experiences of your life doing the stuff you don't want to do like i credit sharon so much because sharon just continues to do what other people won't and it's pushed them further and further and further and the kids are fucking celebrity now like yeah. there's no question that so much i think sharon will be the biggest name in all of battle rap one day because he's just not going to stop until he is he's that determined 
Yeah. And he's that talented. So I met I met Sharon at an airport three years ago. He was flying from New Jersey after a wild and out audition. Me and him like sat down and bullshit about battle rap for like two two hours. Awesome guy, real nice fucking yeah. dude down to earth. And like yeah, we were he was just talking like that motherfucker works hard. Um, I remember him going to BET Freestyle Friday probably like 2011, rocking the King of the Dot shirt. And I remember saying, like, this dude is an animal. Um, I think the first guy I take, watched was him and Kruger. I think him and yeah. Kruger was the first one. He used to take buses down to New York for those, man. Literally, he had no money to his name. We used to fucking fundraise to get him a bus ticket to go to Freestyle Friday. And that's why he would wear the King of the Dot stuff, because yeah. he had no way of getting there, so we'd make it work. And Sharon is, honestly, man, like, I, I, I'm so fucking proud of that kid. It's unreal. He's just, he's so talented, he's so determined, and he's going to reach all his goals, man. It, it's crazy seeing him evolve and turn into, you know, what he has already in, in, in Battle Rap, Wild and Out, and just seeing him in Nike commercials now and Foot Locker, yeah. all these things. It's like, it, it's coming to life, right? And I don't know him personally, but it seems like just him battling as a person. It couldn't, ha it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. That just, that's, yeah. That, that's you know what he, he was the kid that everyone used to almost like overlook. Like, oh, he'll never be shit. Look at him. He look, he's he doesn't fit in here. But it's like he made himself fit in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he earned that shit. And nobody, there isn't a single big name battle rapper in the world that will not say Sharon deserves his fucking spot. Like that's one thing that will never not be said about Sharon is that he never earned it. Right. He's like that old comedian who finally got the big break, like uh, Colin yeah, Quinn. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, but but yeah. Sean's still young. That's a scary Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Hey, go on. Without, like, saying names or anything, but has there ever been a situation when you were creating King of the Dot to when you started it to now that you thought, oh, shit, this happened. This could fuck the whole thing up. Has there ever been like a situation, a person or something where you're just like, damn, everything I work for is gone? I mean, bro, there's sometimes your mind will play that game on you without it being reality. You know okay. what I'm saying? Um, I think like, you know, 2018, I went through that. I really was down on myself. I kind of, you know, just lost, lost focus of the vision. So I think there's times where this like, you know, you mentally collapse after doing so much because you just... You know, I don't, I don't really know what it is. The mind is a funny thing, but like, I don't think there's ever been anything that's happened where it's like, yeah, we're, we're screwed or we're done or anything yeah. like that. Closest maybe would have been the days and mass scenario, but you know, that that's really it. I don't even like bringing that up to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, out of respect for them both. Yeah. yeah. No, the 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 one thing that is probably a myth, honestly, um, the whole. How do you feel about? I'm sure it doesn't bother you with the. It isn't right. If it, it it doesn't count if it's not on smack crap that goes around. I mean, is that just like the community internet fucking trolls? Cause you and smack seem cool, right? Like you yeah, it's branding, bro. It's branding. You know, look, man, they're gonna move the way they move. We're gonna move the way we do. Smack. I'm cool with smack. I got no issues with nobody in yeah. battle rap. You know, it's not like this is. You know, but at the end of the day, I'm in it for the culture. You know, right. that's one thing I always will be in it for. You know, there's times I've moved ways where it doesn't benefit King of the Dot, but I understand it's the benefit of the culture. You know, it sucks, but that's the way it's got to be sometimes. Um, I don't know, man. I don't really care for the, for the drama in between leagues. I just know what I'm – I just know my role. As long as I have fun with battle rap, I'm going to stay doing it. You know what I mean? I want to create fun opportunities for people, and that's really it. What other people want to do with it, that's on them, right? Yeah. Um how did you, you know, you, how did it's a, a lot of that's fan driven too, man. And 
I don't know, bro. You know, it is what it is. I'm not really tripping over it. I don't ever lose no sleep over it. People want to empower themselves by saying something or trying to devalue other people. That's on them, really. You right. know what I mean? How did you – now, how do you go about the battlers? Do you ever do three, like, battle contracts, like an album deal, or is it one battle, one pay? Or is it like, hey, um, sure, you know, three battles for 20 or whatever it is? Everything's dependent on the person, really. The person scenario, time of the year, what they got going on in the schedule, what we got going on with our schedule, you know. Sometimes if it works out best like that, then yeah, we definitely do. You know, we've had a couple people on some semi-long contracts. Um, I really only keep the, the champion exclusive, though. That, like, you know, even if you have a contract with King of the Dot, like, if ARP or someone wants to book you, like, they're free to do that. You know, that's the homie. He's, he's good. Right. Cool. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to hold people away from opportunity. I think right. like one of the beauties of one of the beautiful things about a rap is being able to get the opportunity or the call from Australia, Sweden, England, and, and go over there because these are opportunities people may never have again in their life. You know, you may never yeah. be in a financial position to be brought over there. So like, who would I be to strip you from that opportunity? Like, these are the things that are going to make you look back and be like, you know, shout out to that person for helping me get over here or, or giving me that thing in life rather than being resentful towards you because you held them on a contract and now they're not where they want to be in life. And you're the reason why. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yep. That's nice. So, that's bold of you, man. A lot of people wouldn't be like that. It's so. not even really bold, bro. It's just it's just basic human respect, I think. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it becomes a big money play, I think that becomes different because if, if financial investments, of course, change things. You know what I mean? But, like, if it's not going to take money away from my pocket, like, I'm not... You know, if it's not yeah. hurting King of the Dot, it's not hurting Battle Rap, it's not hurting me, then I don't see the reason to not do it, right? No, that makes sense. Uh, Bri, anything? Uh, no, I got nothing else. Eric? Uh, right. Nothing comes to mind, but he's a cool dude. I can talk yeah. to him. Yannick, this is real cool. Um, we like to do this um, one thing called the gun to your head segment. It's like a would you rather uh, this or that type thing, but we try to keep yeah. it with wordplay involved. Now, okay. we keep standings, all right? Um, I'm not going to tell you who's in the lead. So what we do is we each ask, oh, you, five, we each ask you five questions, and you have to answer them, and then pick the winner at the end, all right? All right, let's run it. All right. I will go first this time. So, but hold on. What, what am I picking? <laughs> okay. We're going to ask you the questions. And then yeah. at the end of our questions, you pick the winner of, like, someone you thought had the best questions or your favorite question. All right? Okay. And you want me to answer them? Yes. Yeah. All, All right. right. All right. All right. You ready? For one year, would you rather eat Chef Boyardee or be a chef for a boy named Artie? Oh, eat Chef Boyardee, man. Why are people tripping <laughs> for that? That's All right. All right. Would you rather be trapped in the Twilight Zone or in a war zone with the cast of Twilight? I'll go with the Twilight Zone. All right. Would you rather eat poutine or watch a documentary on Winnie the Pooh as a teen? Come on, man. I'm Canadian, bro. All right. That's poutine or <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, yeah, poutine all day, man. All right. <laughs> Would you rather make a Mai Tai or tie Mai Tai? Uh, make a Mai Tai or tie a Mai Tai or... Tie Mai Tai if I had a tie. Like, hey, man, I need you to tie my tie. Uh, sure, man. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. What a nice dude. <laughs> the best right. ones are the ones you have to explain a few times. <laughs> All, right. All right. Would you rather... 
Uh, he had the hand motion in there. <laughs> Would you rather watch a movie starring Usher or be an Usher at a movie theater? Unfortunately, I've watched a couple Usher movies already, so I'll rather I'll, I'll go with that again. I can, All right, I can, there are a lot of Usher movies. I didn't. I, I don't. In know. the mix, the faculty. Yeah. And, oh, the faculty. And, and, you want to know? You want to know what's funny, man? I in the movie Detention, I actually play a fucking movie, a a, a movie Usher. I googled you. You were in the detention, okay. And I was a movie usher, so I guess I'll go with the movie usher. All right, you know? so he switches. <laughs> right, you're up. Right. All right. <laughs> yeah, these are a little weird. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's all good. It's good. Fun. We try to make them unique, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Would you rather lick someone's armpit or have someone lick yours? <laughs> oh, bro, have someone lick mine for sure. <laughs> I suck. Uh, <laughs> Would you rather have nipple-sized fingers or finger-sized nipples? Nipple-sized fingers, man, I guess. Finger-sized <laughs> nipples, you have little hot dogs hanging off your shirt, bro. Brian's a horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you rather be a tree that can feel pain or a snail that can't die? Oh, I'll be a snail that can't die. Or wait, a tree that can feel pain? Yeah. Or, yeah, oh, a snail that can't die. Would you rather only be able to eat food shaped like a dick or use dicks as utensils for every time you eat? Oh, bro, what kind of position are you trying to put me in, man? Save this question for the next guy that comes on. Organic's got a brand here, Brian. He's like, I love using dicks to cut up my steak. <laughs> All right, then this, this is the last one. Would you rather have hands that keep growing as you get older or feet that keep shrinking? Oh, hands that keep growing. <laughs> or you're just going to be a little peg leg running around. <laughs> peg leg. That's what I got. Eric, you're up. Okay. Uh, would you rather never return to Toronto or risk driving through a tornado? I'll drive through a tornado. My family lives in Toronto, so got to risk it. There you My go. Man. Okay. Would you rather lose King of the Dot or only wear polka dots for the rest of your life? Oh, man. <laughs> what was the polka dot thing from? Like, Yeah, polka dot, I guess. Yeah, po polka dot, okay. Would you rather never deal with a Canadian... Would you rather never deal with a Canadian winter or always be a battle rap winner? I mean, it's a battle rap radio show, so I feel like I got to do the battle rap thing. I'm oh, yeah, used to the winter, you, man. I'm used to the winter. Would you, rather, would you rather never grow hair on your body again or have a tongue that never stops growing, Brian? Never grow hair on my body again. <laughs> okay. I agree with that. Fucking Wait, sleep swimmer, bro. I'm really bad at these questions, so I <laughs> came up with this about one minute ago. Would you – hold on. Never – would you rather never wear a fitted again or only or have clothes that never really fitted? Yeah, I'd probably never wear fitted. Yeah, that's not in English. Yeah. Yeah. Danik, who's oh, the yeah. here? What's your favorite question? You got a favorite question or a person who has uh, a question? Shit, man. My name's Eric. That's Scott and Brian. I can't even remember them now. Now I feel this is like biased because I feel like I'm all, I, I remember his questions because he was last. Because they're the best. You know, I know what you mean. They're so, in your new method, you guys got to go taking turns, one question each, and go around the cycle so you avoid the scenarios. 
That's uh, a genius move. Is there any one that stuck out? Yeah, you asked me one that stuck out that I laughed at. I can't remember which one it was again, though. The poutine one? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna. No, no. The poutine was too simple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Loser. The tie. The tie. My tie. Nah, man, because you needed the hand signals. You had to actually like act yeah. that out, like you were was a it the, Was it the Twilight Zone one or the Usher at uh, a movie? No, maybe. Yeah, maybe you can't oh, you know that's what it was. The Usher at a movie. I'll take, man, because I laughed at it. The Usher yes, it looks like a controversial victory, but I will take it. You fucking talked your way into a win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my show. Hold on, hold on. Let me tell you the five questions again. Plug your Instagram, Twitter. What event you got coming up? Yeah, so we had Blackout. You know, that was supposed to go down April 19th, and it's like probably one of our craziest cards, but we had to cancel it on April 1st due to COVID. So that's kind of just up in the chamber. Um, hopefully, I got some big announcements for you guys soon. I don't want to speak too soon. A lot of shit in the, a lot of shit in the works right now, you know. Um, even though we're being quiet, we're not not working, you know. Um, yeah. COVID has kind of made it a little weird in the sense I can't get into America. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of states are on the verge of shutting down again. So I'm not trying to set up an event that I'm going to have to cancel again, right? Because then that's two canceled events I have going. So that's pretty much it, man. We're just trying to play it safe, uh, uh, you know. That's it, man. Just taking the safe route. But we're going to have a lot of fire coming up in the upcoming soon. And, and Blackout for sure. Gully vs. Gannick for sure. The Run the Fade series for sure. Lots of dope shit coming up, man. Gannick, this was really awesome. It, it gave like an intel into so much shit that goes on in Battle Rap that we never yeah. even knew. So yeah. we really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome, bro. Thanks so yeah, much. Man, I appreciate you guys, man. Salute to you three, man. I greatly appreciate the support, and I fuck with what you guys are doing, man. So let's set up another one and do it again in a couple months. Absolutely.